Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, starting with verse 40, and reading down through chapter 2, through verse 12. There was a man with leprosy who had come to Jesus and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Chapter 2, verse 1, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat the man, paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Let's pray. Father, we come to you because you invited us. And we come to you because we know that your love has somehow captivated our lives. You brought us through your sweetness of your grace. You brought us with needs. You brought us with concerns. We have questions. You somehow brought us through a work of your own. We pray that we might understand the beauty of how that you draw us and how you do your great work in us. Give us the courage to trust and to believe and put our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of us uh, uh, are well aware that we talk to ourselves? <laughs> Some of us are, are always rambling on and on out loud. Whatever is on our minds, it's really not a secret. Everyone around us, they hear it all, they know it all, they're always rambling. This morning my wife says, did you say there's a bear outside? 
I said, no, I was just talking to myself, and it wasn't about a bear, but I never told her what I was rambling about. But she hears me all the time, and so she knows that I'm constantly talking to myself. The truth is, we all tend to talk to ourselves, yet most of us probably keep it a little bit more personal or private. What's going through our minds and what's working through uh, our thought processes, we tend to maybe keep it to ourselves. Whether it's our feelings, whether it's our attitudes about life, whether it's our opinions, whether it's little reactions or responses that are working in us, sometimes it's just our personal perceptions and interpretations of life. We sometimes just keep it to ourselves, but either way, those voices are still always at work. We're talking all the time. Whatever we are, whether we're rather private, a kind of person, or overly expressive, we all respond and react and relate to life. Life itself comes quick, it comes fast, it comes hard, it doesn't come with permission. It simply just is there. But somehow the things that go through our mind, what we tell ourselves about ourselves and what we tell ourselves about God and what we tell ourselves about other people and what we think their perceptions are, play into the mix of what makes you and I tick. Now, just as some of us are, are like kind of open books and other of us are almost impossible to read, most people are not fully aware of all the talk and the chatter that's going on in our minds. And so the challenges I think about this morning are not so much to try to get more of you to talk out loud, but my intent or desire is to humbly ask God to help us become more aware of what we are telling ourselves. Because if we tell ourselves things that hinder our faith, our faith will be hindered if we tell ourselves things about who God really is. It will allow our faith to continue to be enlarged. Last week, last couple weeks, we, we talked about the importance of, of faith as a discipline. It's like somewhat of a muscle. It has to be exercised. It has to be conditioned. We must learn to believe enough to step out of the boat and walk on water with Jesus. We must also understand that faith is extremely practical. Sometimes we need to wisely say that would be a dumb idea to walk on water today. So we constantly are learning and growing. Our faith is being stretched and expanded. We need to try to be aware that as Jesus is leading us through life, that the path he's taken you today might look a little bit different tomorrow. But either way, faith has to be exercised. It has to be developed. It has to become a disciplined part of life. Faith is promised to be rewarded. And that's what you and I need to recognize. The importance of a developing and maturing faith is God rewards your faith. And sometimes those ideas that come in our mind about what that looks like or feel like or sound like might be from one extreme to the other. The important thing is we keep on learning to listen and stretch ourselves. Grow a little bit and modify a few thought processes that might be in there. And so faith is always uh, uh, given to us in some sense. It comes in mustard seed form and then it grows and becomes a, a largest in all the garden plants. And that's what we do is we try to learn how to exercise and develop our faith, particularly the faith that Jesus has customized for you and me. He wants to place within our heart the capacity to believe and the capacity to receive. And so depending on how our faith is developed and matured, it is 
going to uh, either enhance or hinder our lives, particularly in how God wants to lead and direct. My goal this morning, as I mentioned, is not to get us to start talking out loud. I mean, sometimes that might be better because some of us, we need to hear ourselves the way we think and tick, but rather may we learn to listen to ourselves on what is going on within our minds and within our hearts. Um, There are several primary areas that uh, contribute, particularly to the development or hindrance of your faith, that uh, is often with what is being played in our minds. That self-talk really can be extremely destructive or it can be extremely uh, helpful in our lives. And some of that is learning to be attuned to to what's going on in our minds uh, because in order to take our thoughts captive and, and let faith grow the way God intended, we need to be aware of the voices that are playing in our minds that sometimes can uh, do a lot of interesting uh, work in our lives. I've chosen these two particular stories uh, because I, I see that there's, there's a lot of these dynamics happening within the end of chapter 1 going into chapter 2. Um, as we... Uh, We all talk to ourselves. Let's look at uh, Mark chapter 2. I'll read verses 1, 2, and 3 again and try to clarify uh, some things I'm uh, intending to share today. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. The first thing I want to uh, consider is that as we talk to ourselves, that sometimes our self-talk affects our trust factor in Jesus. Um, A lot of times, excuse me, I dropped my glasses. A lot of times our faith is based upon what we've heard. And a lot of what we have heard as this crowd came, they had heard in some sense that Jesus was uh, healing all kinds of people. And so the hearing of what he has done in the past has a huge bearing on their capacity to believe in the future. Some of us have been brought up in homes that have a a large influence of a faith factor in your homes. Uh, You grew up learning about God in a positive way. You learned about his goodness, his love, his compassion, and yet some of us grew up in in, in homes that that was not the case. And if we have not uh, grown or become accustomed to a kind of faith that truly is the way God really is, it's going to change the way you and I respond to God. We tend to live with certain expectations that have been handed down. We live with a certain kind of mindset about things that have been presented to us or the influence that has come in our lives, particularly when we think about God's love. That is a huge factor. Some of us may not be aware that we may or may not necessarily believe that God is so loving and kind. Some of us, we've not only been conditioned in the upbringing of our homes, but we've been conditioned with some of the horrors of life. If you've grown and experienced some very difficult times in life, it has a huge bearing on the way we perceive this God who truly is a loving and kind God. And depending on the kind of of upbringing we had, depending on the kind of environment we had, depending on the kind of experiences we have gone through, they all play into the mix of what allows us to have a love and compassion that comes uh, uh, from God. 
As we think about uh, the reputation Jesus had, there were those that obviously took upon themselves a confidence that what they heard is good, and because it was good, they were willing to go to great extents to get there. It's based upon that conditioning of what we have heard and what they're willing to accept. Right in the mix of things is the religious leaders, when you get down to a couple verses later, they also had heard a reputation about the Jesus guy. In other words, we need to keep an eye on this guy. We're not sure what he's up to. We're not sure which kind of books he's reading. We're not sure where he's getting his information. But there's a huge question mark, and that reputation was spreading just as quick as the hearing of his miracles because the religious leaders had somewhat concluded he is using the power of the devil. His healing power comes from the devil. And all kinds of of ideas that work themselves together. What you and I need to to humbly ask as as we recognize the, the value of coming to faith is we need to realize how that concept, the talk that's in our mind, somehow influences that outcome as to the blessing and favor of really seeking Jesus. Um, I mentioned about his goodness. Let's go to the Psalms, and it's, it's easier to find several scriptures that talk about this. But typically when we read certain scriptures, or, or we, we talk about certain character qualities of God, sometimes we find ourselves soaking it in, and sometimes we find ourselves stacking, stepping back and saying, I don't know about that. What you and I need to do is become accustomed to listening to what's happening in our mind and in our heart. And if we find ourselves resistant to the goodness, the grace, the favor of God, then we need to ask ourselves where is or what is the source of that particular concept? Where is the self-talk coming from? Because when you've gone through experiences in life that have not been so good, sometimes God gets blamed for being just like those experiences in the past. Our faith is going to be hindered in some sense if we lose sight of some of the core foundational concepts that are taught throughout the scripture. Turn with me to uh, Psalm 145. Psalm 145. And we want to look at verses 8 through 21. Psalm 145, verses 8 through 21. As I mentioned before, some of us have grown up in a life that we have been blessed, we know we're blessed, and it seems like all of our memories and all the concepts we've had of God have always been good. Our faith looks different than someone who's grown up with some very difficult, challenging experiences of life. That's not to say that a person with difficult cannot experience a face that has great depth and quality. Nor does it guarantee, if you've grown up in a home where the, the safety and security of a godly home has always been there, that not necessarily translates into the fact that we're going to have great faith. Sometimes it's completely opposite. It depends on how we interpret our views of God based upon the experiences we've had in life. And that's why we need to learn to re-listen to the voices that work in our mind and in our hearts. We need to be aware of what we tell ourselves about God and what's consistent with the truths 
of God's word. Psalm 145 in verse 8. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and he's rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. Verse 10. All that you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men will know that of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and he's loving to all that he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. Verse 16, you open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward that all that he has made. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. I simply just take a a sample of that concept that's clearly taught that God is loving, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's he's extremely tender. He's a kind of father figure that is always looking out for his children. He is faithful to all of his word and to all of his promises And one more, he is just and he is fair. And sometimes we go through life and we we may may look maybe uh, to some of the challenges we face, the problems we've encountered. And it has a tendency to let the self-talk go that God is good, but not all the time. God is compassionate to other people, but not necessarily me. That God really cares But somehow I keep getting missed and bypassed in the process. Faith is rewarded. And yet the self-talk sometimes that has been somewhat programmed into our minds sometimes speaks louder than looking back to the truth and letting the truth continually to speak into our life. God does not hold it against us. And that's what I don't want to misunderstand. God does not hold it against us because we're struggling with the concept. He just simply continues to let his favor rest in a way that we would wisely come back to him and say, Lord, I choose to trust you. Faith will be rewarded. Let's go back to the Gospel of Mark. We could look at several more uh, uh, scriptures that uh, allude to the, the, the compassionate and loving and caring side of God. But let's look in Mark chapter 1 and jump over to verse 40 now. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. Culturally, we need to try to understand that the leper was an outcast. A leper was one that was not really allowed to mingle within society. They had to dress a certain way, act a certain way, speak a certain way. Jesus doesn't run from him. He doesn't hide from him. The man had a faith that believed. Jesus, if you've healed the one, you can heal the other. His conclusion was, if you are willing, 
you can make me clean. He had the capacity to have his faith enlarged based upon the reputation that Jesus was beginning to have. He could have listened to others. He could have allowed others to influence his thought process. He could have grown up in a conditioned world believing that uh, what was a common belief system is if you had leprosy, you were a sinner. You did something to deserve what you got. And these were some of the thought processes that this man obviously had to overcome. He had to get past the self-talk and somehow come to let faith be that foundation. Our faith is, is kind of a messy thing, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago. It's difficult sometimes to learn how to really exercise your faith the way God intends that faith to be exercised. But many times, it's not a matter of simply saying, do I want to believe today or not believe today? A lot of it has to do with the talk, the voices, the ideas that come working them ways through that we learn to say, Lord, let your truth dictate the direction and heartbeat of my life. The second thing we want to consider which is very important pertaining to the voices and the ideas that float through our head, is how we respond to the truths Jesus taught. You'll notice in uh, um, Mark chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus is responding to another situation where everybody's looking for him. He says in verse 38, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. Again, we open up chapter 2, we get to verse 2. It says, So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word. A lot of what uh, Jesus did was he was preaching truth. He was communicating uh, uh, a truth that sets people free. He was communicating the mind of God and the heart of God. And that's what we have embodied within the scriptures is the truth that God has intended to give all humanity. But sometimes our self-talk has a lot of ideas and opinions which interpret or misinterpret what truth really is involved. Uh, We talk about this a lot in our church, I believe, the importance of the Word of God and the importance of letting the truth be the truth, but it's important to know that sometimes the self-talk has been so programmed within us by our upbringing, our past, our experiences, that it doesn't allow the truth to simply be pure, unadulterated truth, as Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2. It takes a kind of conditioning that says, let me just listen to what God says today. We get kind of caught in our, in our uh, theological views of life, and depending on our upbringing and the challenges we had, that sometimes we can't hear truth or just look at truth in its pure and simple form because we say, yeah, but. Perfect example. Jesus said some strange promise. Ask whatever you wish and be given to you. And right away, there's those of us say, wow, let's take a hold of that. And the rest of us are saying, there's a catch. Because later on it says, if you ask everything according to his will. So right away we have these these resistors or these reactors taking place. Some of us are scared to death to believe any more than we already believe. Some of us um, uh, are always open to believing for anything and everything. 
Faith is, is messy. You've got to learn how to let the truth be the truth. What's wrong with one day knowing you're flat down on your back? You have no hope, no help, no promises, no encouragement, and you open the Bible that day and it says, ask whatever you wish. What would be wrong with saying, Lord, I don't know how big of a check you got, but right now, my only hope is a real big other times that maybe we've gotten through this season where we think our life is great, we're on the top of the world, things are going for us, and we read that promise and we say, I'll take a bigger one. You know, sometimes God has to take us through experiences to help us realize what is it that programs the way you and I think. You and I need to understand that though it seems like there's contradiction in the Bible, God's purpose is not to give you all the right answers. His purpose is to change your life and take you and I to be where we ought to be as of today. So when there's seemingly contradictions, it's not really the issue on whether it seems to contradict that one moment God is giving you all you want, the next minute he's trying to downsize you. It's because he knows how to change our lives and to take us where we ought to be. It's not the right answers we need. We need our heart in the right place. And that's how that truth is able to do that. The question ultimately becomes, these that heard about Jesus, they also heard what he said about life. He talks about eternal life. He talks about salvation. He's talking about all kinds of things that the religious leaders are saying, who does this guy think he is? That's blasphemy. He can't forgive sins. But unless we understand why Jesus came and what he came to do and the truths he able to give, you and I might hear all the voices of not only our own preconceived ideas, but there's always someone that wants to throw water on your little flame of faith. You and I need to try to learn to let the truth speak as the truth, to receive it as indeed it truly is. Okay. We're going to move on from that one because I realize that uh, we've talked about that. But it's important to know that unless we listen to the thoughts in our head, we're not going to necessarily be attuned to whether or not they are biblical or whether or not they just sound realistic. We all know that faith sometimes defies gravity. And sometimes the faith that God wants to accomplish in our life will take us to places that a realistic mind doesn't know how to go for example give it'll be given to you my thought is give and you're going to have less but somehow the promises of faith are that you will be blessed in other words god is able to do that and as god is leading us through life we can look at all kinds of examples in scripture the important thing is we've got to be aware of what is self-talk that's not from god and the thoughts and impressions that he gives to the Holy Spirit. So the development of faith comes through an establishment of the word of God so that we become familiar with truth so that we recognize truth and we're able to hear truth and process truth because sometimes the stuff going in our head constantly is at work. We understand as well that it's the grace of God that seasons life, that gives us hope, that gives us encouragement, It gives us our stability and security in Christ. But some of us have been pretty well pre-programmed to think 
You and I have to get an A on our report card to get any blessings from God. And it's not true. It's grace. And so you and I must learn to let the truth continually speak life into us. Okay, third thing. Let's go back to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. And we'll look at verses 6 and 7. I briefly mentioned already the religious leaders that were there in the crowd. We've got a man who's paralyzed and he can't get to Jesus because somebody had already taken the good seats of the house. The religious leaders had the front pew taken. They had Jesus surrounded. And they're there for one reason. We've got to keep an eye on this Jesus. The poor guy is paralyzed. He can't get to Jesus. His four friends, they're carrying him on the stretcher. They can't get to Jesus because all the seats were taken. What we need to realize is that, uh, okay, we'll read verse 6 and 7. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? What you and I need to realize is I simply, it's not really directly taken out of here, but it's referred to. You and I need to realize that sometimes our faith has to get through some barriers in life. Sometimes our faith has to be willing to go even though there's people that hold us back. Now we say, who's going to want to hold you back? Well, our self-talk holds us back. And so do the little subtle voices that come through well-meaning, caring, loving people, okay? There's a lot of times we say things that may not be so biblical. They're certainly not encouraging. They're certainly not loving. But you and I need to realize that part of your faith system is the, the ability or the willingness to listen to what's going on in our minds and be careful to evaluate where does that thought come from? Is it from God or is it from somebody else who's trying to question how good Jesus is? We've got to learn a lot of these things. We have to develop these things. We need to try to understand whether someone is doing the speaking or whether truth is indeed being the significant factor in our life. We know that bad company corrupts good morals. We typically use that scripture to say to our kids, you've got to stay away from bad people because they're bad influences. They're going to take you down a bad path, and on and on and on. Sometimes we need to realize that it may not be bad friends. It's just a bad voice. <laughs> it's a bad idea. It's a bad programming in there. And you and I need to bring ourselves back and trust that somehow God's purpose and plan is, is bigger than we've allowed it. Okay, notice in verse 12, as uh, we, we condense the story down, they obviously, uh, one of the four guys, got a bright idea. His self-talk said, you know what? That Jesus guy is in there about 15 feet. And my math and calculation is if we go up over there and rip off those tiles right up there, we're going to drop right down into his presence. I mean, think of the self-talk that's going on. Now, one suggests it to the other, and the other one says, you're crazy, and the third one says, what have we got to lose? And the fourth one says, I didn't come this far, and the poor guy who's being carried by his friends, he had no say, because his friends are in charge. You're going to Jesus today, and, you know, moms can do that to us, grandparents can do that to us. We bring our kids, we're going to get them to Jesus. However that works, you need to realize there's a lot of voices that play into there. Ultimately, Jesus sees the guy. He says, I like that kind of face. When he saw their face, which face looked like? I know in this case, when you start 
getting desperate for Jesus, Jesus notices it. And that's what you and I need to recognize. There's a reward for the faith. It may not have been the way you would do it. It may not be the way I would do it. But one thing was, in verse 12, he got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. Faith is not necessarily a predictable pattern, but it's learning to discern. Is it my idea or is it God's? Is it just a thought, an opinion that somebody else suggested or is it God? We learn to say, Lord, you speak. We choose to trust that sometimes the impressions are really God. Yet to our minds as we think it through, we say, that's a dumb idea. How could you come up with that? Well, the one important thing that I really want to, to consider in, as we try to pull this together is another aspect. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, I touch upon the leper man. A man with leprosy came to him, came to Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There's some kinds of situations that we believe are kind of off the charts. It's not so much that I, I don't think he struggled whether Jesus could heal him, but it makes it clear that if you're willing, he didn't seem to question whether Jesus had the ability, he questions a willingness. A lot of times when we talk about healing, that's the one thing that comes out quite often. Sometimes it comes out more subtle, sometimes it comes out more of a self-talk, we know Jesus is able to do everything. We struggle. What about me? And the one thing that self-talk will do is it will constantly work on those inner thoughts that sometimes hinder us from experiencing the richness or the fullness of God. Sometimes it's simply the traditional view. As I mentioned before, a leper believed he was cursed by God or because of some sin, whether it was his parents' sin or whatever. That you have a situation that only he can fix. But you fundamentally believe he's the real problem. It's his will that I'm sick. I got it because I deserved it. I, I think of all the things I've done wrong in life. I, I work with a lot of people who clearly believe that their past will control their future. Because they believe that they have done unthinkable things. That there is no forgiveness. There's no grace that's large enough to cover the fact that this is my problem because of something I have done. That self-talk, we beat ourselves up over and over again. It constantly plays in the mind. This man comes, he takes a big risk. And in essence, that's what faith is. His reputation that Jesus was beginning to develop was he really is kind and compassionate and loving. This individual had to take a risk. He steps into the world where Jesus is. He leaves his, his, his being a social outcast, and he comes amongst the crowd. He gets so close, he drops right to the knee, right to, into the presence of Jesus, and he begs him. You know, the God that we serve, there's no way when you come that close, with that much desperation, with that much assurance, that Jesus is going to say, nope. I'm going on to the next one. And that's what we bank on as we find out the numerous examples of healing was 
they simply cried out for mercy. If God indeed is compassionate and merciful, then this man, the wisest decision he made is, I don't care what anybody else thinks, I don't care what anybody else says, I'm not gonna listen to what's going into my head, it doesn't matter whether I feel I deserve it or not, Jesus has a reputation that he's banking on one thing, his willingness. His willingness. Sometimes we, we base our self-worth, our value. We think of the prodigal son. I often thought about the prodigal son. The right way to come back to Jesus after you live it up in wild living is you got to come back and tell Jesus you are nobody so that he can give you the fatted calf. And I was reading in one book, it's not that he believed he was nobody as a requirement. He believed as nobody because he simply listened to all the self-talk. I know what I've done. I regret what I've done. He wanted to come back and say, I'll be a servant for the rest of your life. Jesus says in that story, no, you're a son. It's important to try to understand that sometimes we'll never get real clarity on the right answer to what makes your faith thrive or grow or develop. What's most important is coming to the right answer is not what Jesus is after. He's after the heart. The heart that's willing to be taught, the heart that is willing to be changed, the heart that is willing to take a risk. That the reputation that Jesus has is probably a lot better than anything I would ever imagine. And to humbly come and say, Lord, I'm yours. I choose to trust you. Let's pray. Father, we realize there's so many things that go on in our lives, so many things that have gone on in our past. There's so many things that have caused us to get some interesting concepts of you. We pray that we would realize that the enemy of our souls is desperate to keep the talk going so that we can't listen to your loving voice. Help us, Lord, to respond to you in faith, to believe and to receive your grace, undeserved, unmerited. We simply can't earn it. We can't make it happen. We can't force you to bless us. But we can come as a leper and simply drop to our knees and say, if you're willing, you can make me whole. I give you thanks and praise you, Lord, for all that you're doing among us as a people all that you're doing in, as in our lives as individuals, we say thanks to you, Jesus, because what we've heard, it's true. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and have a great day.